0: This podcast is powered by SEM Wealth Management. SEM Wealth Management, where your faith, your values, and your investments align.
1: Great day, everyone. Ed Dudley. Hope everyone is doing well and having an amazing day. Um, anytime I get to hang out with my co-hosts, it's an amazing day. Um, I would call Garland beautiful, but he's not, so we'll just call okay. Greer beautiful. <laughs> hey, Greer, looking
2: pretty beautiful today. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: got all dressed up for this
0: one. I mean, he's got a tie on. I feel like he's choking. It, I am choking because I'm I've still got I got COVID shirt. You see. <laughs> COVID shirt. This shirt used to fit. My head wasn't so big.
2: <laughs>
0: no, it's a, good, it's a good day to be back with you guys um, and a uh, good return to Journey the Financial Advisor experience. Uh, we've had a nice couple of weeks here with some really, really great guests. I'm looking forward to meeting uh, Brandon, our, our guest today. Um, but hey, let's get it started. Greer, how's your day going down in uh, in Cary?
2: It's going. It's going. <laughs> <Cold>. <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, right. It's like in the forties down there finally, isn't it?
2: I think it's supposed to creep up into the fifties today, but it's still mm-hmm. about 30 when I walk out to the bus stop, which is yeah. no fun.
1: Nice cold front. Yeah, it's still too cold for me. It's too cold for Ed, me. So Ed, well, can you tell us this partner, mm-hmm. So I don't know a lot about him. So he is one of those individuals that I met through the powerful LinkedIn um his name popped up in the feed that's something i was um i was looking at and i said let me connect with him i connected with him started following following him a little bit and looking at some of his content and things like that i said hey he might be interesting to bring on the show and hear his story excited to have my man mr brandon dixon james cfp he's one of those small minorities of minorities in the financial services industry Mr. Brandon, how you feeling today?
3: You know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Glad, glad to be on here. Um, you guys have a fun group. So, uh, this this is, I'm excited for this. See, Garland yeah, got dressed it up for face. you. He got and, dressed hey, up look, for this, you.
0: This doesn't happen very often. I, I don't right. get dressed up. I don't put ties on anymore unless I'm speaking in front of an audience. And, and you guys, no offense, you don't count as an audience. So, this, he tried to keep it casual.
1: A- he put a
0: tie on with a vest. So (laughs) I'm not wearing a coat coat is too much. I got COVID everything going on in the neck. I got COVID Waist. Everything is tight. No, the vest is all I can do. Hey, Brandon, uh, give us a little background of, of who you are, where you came from and where you are now.
3: Perfect. No, I appreciate that. Um, so I've been in, I've been in the business 18 years now started out uh, right out of, right out of college. Um, and I started with a, an insurance company I started with Prudential and, you know, with any insurance company, it is definitely a grind to get going. Um, uh, but the unique part of that is you come out, I came out of college and I don't, you know, they about have a natural market. I, I didn't have a natural market. Uh, the folks I grew up around didn't have wealth and didn't have money. We weren't ta- they weren't talking about financial plans and long-term savings strategies and things like that. We were all just trying to survive. So, you know, it, it was really a hustle. Um, and finding any way any, any way I could just to get in front of somebody, just talk to people, just to, to soak up what I could. I had a, I, I was fortunate enough to have a, to have a mentor um, my final semester in college. Um, and again, a, a, another brother who's a CFP too. And he's the one who really kind of showed me the ropes of the game and really allowed me to, you know kind of let me grow, allowed me to grow, gave me you know gave me some instruction, gave me some encouragement, you know, it's one of those things where you—he you, taught me how to fish, I guess to say. He didn't give me fish; he taught me how to fish, which I thought was nice. Looking back at the time, I wish he would have just gave me a little bit of fish. But um, you know, but looking back now at what what I've learned and what I had to experience in those years, especially in the insurance side, was it really helped. I really grew some thick skin. I really helped define who I am as a young professional, um, and then be, gave me the foundation to be able to grow and, and last, you know, 18 years here and going through some of the things that I've had to go, I've had to endure. Uh, I, I spent three years on the insurance company side. And, and, you know, you get enough conversation of the money's at the bank, the money's at the bank. So I, well, I was like, well, I might as well go join the bank then. So, you know, I went on the bank side, became a bank advisor there, um, spent six years um, as a bank advisor, and then finally decided to go on my own. And I said, this is enough is enough. And I uh, made, the, made the decision, made the leap of faith to go out on my own and uh, been been with Royal Alliance since
1: then. Nice. I I I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, some of your stories about when you were a bank advisor. Um because if you if you think about it, the wealth that's tied in the bank um they don't necessarily look like you. So, I'd love to 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 learn to hear a little more about that time as a as a bank advisor as um growing up as a bank advisor.
3: You know, the, the bank advisor role was unique. Um, for one, it I will say the benefits of it, it. It allowed me to gain some more exposure or experience dealing with money, dealing with larger dollars. As uh, working with Prudential, starting with them, I just, again, I didn't come from money. So I didn't have the opportunity to, to you know, to really see money. So I think a, a, one of my first clients gave me $5,000 to invest. And... You know, coming out of college, that was everything. I was like, wow, I'm, 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 I'm hitting it. I'm hitting the ground running. And it was one of those things where, you know, the bank side allowed me to see the higher dollars, the, the $100,000, the half million dollars, the million dollar people, what they look like. Um, because I hadn't I hadn't seen anyone. I didn't know anyone personally who had a million dollars. And so being on the bank side allowed me to see that. Um, I ended up working, I, I was a junior advisor as part of a team. And I was fortunate enough to be down in the Los Angeles area where I feel like th- the color of my skin, it, it, it played a part, but I was also, I feel like I, I had some acceptance in that too. A lot of it just came, t- came down to me accepting my role as a junior partner and really focusing on being mentored and the ability of being mentored. Um, I feel more so that I had some experiences with the senior partners in management Um, not necessarily, you know, treating me, uh, I don't think treating me with care in in some instances of it. Um, They knew I was young, knew I was inexperienced, knew I had some immaturities about me. And in some instances, I feel like that was more so areas I feel like they they took advantage of um, because I I didn't have that. And, and, you know, knowing when you know someone's situation, you know, they're, you know, you you know, where they may not have exposure, they may not have experience in there. I, I don't have a to get a network where I can go to someone and, and get solid advice. So I feel like in those are the areas more so um, on the bank where it really was, um, I just felt, I felt taken advantage of.
2: So I have a question because you've mentioned your, you've mentioned mentorship several times in this uh, mm-hmm. conversation already. And that is something that has come up in almost all of the other interviews that we have done. And so I would love to know kind of how you sought out that that mentorship, where you found it, and what difference that really made in the career, and like how you would suggest that others do the same, because I think that that's a huge thing, mentorship, especially when you're young and in this industry that you don't really understand all that well, but that you really want to succeed in, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah. Mentorship was, it, it, it was game changing for me. Um, and I actually met this guy through my fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi. And so when I was in college, um, he was, you know, he was one of the older brothers. And, and so he was, he was already in this field and I was, and I was a business finance major. Um, so he took me under his wing and, and he said, you know, if you want to be serious about this, then these are the things that you need to do. Um, and so, you know, I was able to get into an internship with, um, with Prudential and got a little exposure and experience about what what the industry is really about. And in terms of now, was just, I was just present doing paperwork and things like that. But that mentorship, um, in that regard was really helpful. Even when I started off in the industry, I mean, he gave me some pretty important advice. He said, you have, you have two strikes against you. You're young and you're black. Never give someone a third strike. And I, I live by that forever. And, um, and so that was one of the things I really went into. I said, you know, I don't have experience in this industry. Um, I don't have experience in investing. I don't have experience in any of this stuff. This is all new concepts to me. I grew up learning how to survive. And I can survive with the best of them. But when you talk about long-term game, long-term plans, long-term investment strategies, um, stocks, bonds, the idea of taking risk and losing money, um, that was something new, new for me. It was new to my, it was, it, there were new concepts, but I knew I wanted to do this. And so, um, you know, he pushed me to make sure that I knew what I was talking about, you know, to question, uh, you know, making sure I'm, um, I am well-versed in just the field alone, gave me areas to be confident in. Um, and so it, it was really just, it really gave me a good foundation on how to, just to get off the ground, how to get started, how to, you know, if you're learning how to drive a stick shift, how to get out of first gear.
2: Right.
3: That's that was
1: good.
2: Yeah. I like that,
1: that that, I mean, there was some, there was some, there were some Jews. I love how you never gave anyone a third strike against you. So Yeah, I
3: mean, it, something as simple as he said, you know, don't even let your breath stink. <laughs> you know, because again, yeah. you have two strikes. Yeah. Anything you do, you know, you don't you never want to give a third strike. <laughs> he said, make sure, sure you have a mint in your mouth, you make sure you don't let your breath stink, make sure you are you, you got everything covered. That's
1: a quotable moment right there. Don't let yes. your breath stink. So for anyone that's listening to this show right now, mm-hmm. please do a breath check. Make sure your breath doesn't stink. like Garland shaking is his funny. head. Like, <laughs> so hey. I'd like to back up a little bit because you started talking about the team, uh, potentially taking advantage of you um, and things like that because you were young and experienced. Can you talk to us about the dynamics of what did that team look like? How did you, first of all, how did you become a member of the team? Did you seek them out or did they seek you out? And what were the dynamics like?
3: So the team, I, I sought them out. I mean, I, I was looking to, um, so I, I went to school in the Central Valley, the center part of California. Um, very ag heavy, you know, just, uh, just it's, uh, so I went to school there. And then I end up having the opportunity to either move to the Bay Area or move to the LA area. Um, my first choice was the Bay Area. Uh, I was more familiar with it. I grew up closer to there. Um, but I ended up getting the opportunity to go to the, to the, uh, LA area. And so, you know, the, the team is, it was comprised of, you know, two older white men and and then myself, um, you know, management, everyone around there was, was, was older, uh, and, and white. And so it was just one of those areas where, um, you know, coming in, I was, I was, I was a little dog. I was the little man. I, I was the, the understudy and, um, you know and while that was okay um we had the op- one of the areas in which it really became challenging because we had the opportunity to switch banks from one bank to another from chase or washington, washington mutual at the time to citibank and so the conversation really came down to hey we think all all of we should all move together um we shouldn't leave any person behind and you know we all want to move together we want to make it successful and you know we'll all get this money to move over um he him being the senior advisor and and the manager was his buddy they were saying hey you move over and you know he'll get the money he'll disperse it down to you guys here's your salaries you guys will make more money over there it will be a great move for the team in itself um and so i held out to probably the ninth inning i was like you know this I don't know about this move. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of turmoil going on. The financial services, the industry right now is, is crashing. And so um, finally, again, I just thought like I gave into pressure. It was just one of those areas where, uh, again, I was young and I was inexperienced. And uh, I gave into pressure. And then they, they called me in after I said, OK, I'll do it. They called me in a day later and said, OK, the money we said we're going to give you, we're going to give you a little bit less than that. Um, we just realized some things change. We're going to give you a little, a little less money. But we got to do this tomorrow still. So are you in? And again, being young, and, and I'll, I'll own that, I was just inexperienced. And inexperienced in negotiation, inexperienced in even just money th- money being thrown at me. And they knew any number they gave me was more than what I already experienced or came from or had. And so um, that happened. I, I said, OK. And we went over there. I didn't get a commission check. Now, mind you, we were salary and commission. We went over there. He got his big check. He gave me a little a little morsel of it and we went over there. And so then um, I didn't get a commission check for about six months. And the commission is what we ate off of at the end of the day. You know, a salary is there. And so I'm sitting here telling him, I'm like, hey, wait a second. We made this move, but I haven't gotten my portion of everything. Oh, we're getting everything worked out. We got this coming. We got that coming. Don't worry about it. Um you know you'll be fine. I'll take care of you. And so it was like the, the I remember it was it was around the holiday season. It was the biggest slap in my face. So he said, "Hey, here's a you know here's a here's a little Christmas here's a." And mind you, he's not my boss, but he's like, "Hey, I feel bad. What's going on? Here's an envelope. It was I think three hundred dollars in ones." Um, and I looked at him. I'm like, "What can I do with this?" He gave me three
1: hundred dollars in one dollar bills.
3: <laughs> I'm not, hey, no, you right? It was $100 bills, $100 bills. Okay,
1: okay that makes me feel a little better. I was going to say, like, you trying to send you to the club? I, mean, well, I know, right?
3: Hold hey, I a You <laughs> know where to go with this. But I, you know, I just couldn't believe, you know, again, we were making six figures plus. And so just to give me $300 was kind of like, wait, that's felt a little insulting, quite insulting, actually. But that was just the, the level. It really it showed me the level at which they really valued me at that point. And it also was a level at which I allowed myself to be to be into to be to be a part of, and so that was one of those areas where again you 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 felt like I felt like a a, a fish swimming with sharks. That was that was a, a lesson learned of of how that network works, and they're going to use what they're going to use to get by or to to continue moving forward. Ask question, Brandon. What? How many years were you with that particular group? Uh, at that time, I was with them a little over a year, probably about a year yeah. and a half, when all that and was happening. How
0: long did you stay with them after the move? Uh,
3: maybe uh, it was about a year. Okay. The question I was going to get
0: at is, you mentioned, you know, you were sort of the little dog. Sometimes people stay the little dog, like there. That's the kind of relationship where you're giving up, you know, years of experience and years and age, and and whether or not color becomes a factor. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not relevant, Um, but I've often found people who are junior advisors, stay junior advisors for decades sometimes, or until that order of person falls away or retires. Um, So I was going to ask you, did you ever, at least within that, that environment, feel like you graduated to being someone that's more
3: equal within that partnership? I don't know if I ever felt like I graduated to be equal with them. Um, I had a good support system out, uh, kind of around me, and I, I, I truly believe that's what pushed me to to leave that leave that arena, and to to go back. I went to the back to the to the banks. I went on my own. I went as my as the lead advisor there, but it really came down to people having to lift me up. Um, if it were, if, if, if it were a situation where I, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I could have remained in that situation as bad as it was. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's fortunate what I knew. Um, but I, I had a good network around me to lift me up and to really give me that support. I needed that confidence. I needed to be able to say, oh, okay, I can do, I can be the lead advisor. I have enough experience to be the lead advisor, to be basically be the man. But it, it took some it took some encouragement, it took some support. Um and you know, as, as again, it's one of those areas as much as they 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 I'll say screw, I don't say screwed me over, but as much as things weren't right, it was a hard pill for me to I had to take that leap of faith. There was a lot of fear. Fear was fear was very present. Fear of, what if I fail? What if I don't make it? I, I want to give a shout out to your support,
1: so your port support system. Yeah because if so many other people would have quit left the business to go do something else but because you had that support system in place you were able to stay be the lead advisor go out on your own and do a lot of amazing things so shout out to whoever your support system matter of fact if you want to name them right now feel free to drop their names but um i love you guys because you kept him in the business
3: yeah my, my brother was a big support at that time my mom was a big support i had some friends that were good support just having a good network around me and people who listen to me, listen to my complaining, my frat brothers. I mean, I had, I had a good support group around me. So, good. um, yeah, it, it, it gave me the energy, the energy I needed at that time. So, um,
1: Brandon, before, um, this, we end this episode, um, later, um, if you can do the shimmy no, the career, no, no, do the do the shimmy for Greer, no, and Greer you will do that. to tell you about the shimmy later.
2: <laughs> I have to know now. I mean, you can't, you can't like throw the like that. I it knew, on.
1: the
3: moment you said it, Brandon. I knew I was gonna ask.
1: these shoulders have been shimmied
3: in a couple in in years so uh, (laughs) oh you let
1: a conclave come up and you're out there shimmying you probably got some cane magic too
2: but that
1: you know it may come back it may it may you know come back to me in those moments so real real quick that's his fraternity um the kappas and they do this little thing called the shimmy and it, I, I'm not going to make him do it on the show, but if you go Google the shimmy and then some of the, some of the cane magic that they do um, it's actually phenomenal. So I digress now because Garland, Garland likes to look at me like, Hey, why you go there?
2: I actually <laughs> never... have a, like a, your story that you just told. I have a note for that because I'm kind of like shaking a little from hearing it because I had a very, very similar experience it's weird. Like people, all these people that we interview, they tell these stories, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the exact same thing happened to me, and I just totally forgot until you said that. The first time that I went through a transition with an advisor that I was working with, um, you know, he he promised me the world. He said, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna tr- transition together. We're gonna go work for this new company. I'm gonna get this giant check. I'm gonna get you a bump up in your salary, and I'm gonna get you. A, you know a bonus and so I was like great you know whatever I don't let's let's go let's do this and the night before the transition he was like okay here's what's going to happen I could not get the salary bump um one or the other he's like I either couldn't get the chunk of money approved or I couldn't get the salary bump improved but you're still going to be making more than you were and so I literally had to sit there with you know I was working for only him. And so I couldn't really stay where I was. There wasn't a job for me. And this new job that I thought I was going to be making a significant, a more amount of money, which still wasn't a lot compared to what I was making, thinking that I was actually going to be like making a livable wage and be able to afford where I was living. And then he told me essentially that I was going to be expecting 15 to $20,000 less per year than what was promised as someone not making very much to begin with, uh, I was pressured into making that decision within a few hours and I had basically no choice. Um, so yeah, I I remember that happening. And then I also remember when we went to the new office because I had no idea what he was getting um, in the deal. I didn't understand any of that. I didn't understand the grid and how that worked, but We went to the new office. I was given a check and the check was turned over and I took it and I went back to my office and I opened it up and I was like, oh, this isn't my check. It was a check for another advisor who had also just transitioned over. And this was an advisor that was, had less AUM than the one I was with. And the check was atrociously large. I had never seen that many numbers on a check in my entire life, real or imagined. And I was just sitting there with it in my hands going, this is what they're paying these advisors to move. And they couldn't bump my salary up to a livable wage. And that moment changed uh, a lot of things in my career, in my thought process. And I had to walk back in at least I got to walk back into the manager and say, um, as much as I would love for this to be my check, it's not, and you should probably be more careful about handing these out next time because this was a really eye-opening experience for me. And the manager was just looking at me like, "Oh dear God, what have I done?" Because
1: was supposed to see that?
2: Oh, I was never supposed to see that, and and every conversation that was ever had with any of the support staff was. Don't tell anybody what you make. Don't talk about it. Don't like, you know, it was all these things, but it was also a, oh, because of your performance scores, you're getting the highest bump up in salary. And it was always something paltry and insignificant, but they made you feel really good. Like you were the best for it and that they just didn't have enough money in the bank. So Whew, I'm sorry. I had to I, I just had to she, tell that little you, side you, story because you, you, it brought you up triggered,
1: a lot. You triggered Greer. You did. Um, you to triggered, have flash. You have flash. <laughs> so <laughs> as someone that at one time was recruiting advisors, um, yeah, they got mass. Some of them got some massive checks. Yeah. And the great advisors that I worked with during transitions, they made sure that trickled down. And there's some advisors that were just greedy. Let's just call it like it, like it yeah. is. So. so let's fast forward. Now you're out on your own. Um, You go from the bank to independent. So a lot of times when you're in the bank environment, you have somewhat of a feeder system of accounts and clients and things like that. Now you're going out on your own to really go and fish in a big ocean right now. Talk to, talk to us about
3: that, that transition for you. You know, that was, I would argue that was probably my scariest transition. You go from, you know, I feel like I'll I'll call it like a lake, you know, you go from, you know, a lake to the ocean and you're saying, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to make this on my own. Um, And this encouragement, I have to say, I, I, at the time I wasn't married, but this one I was married and I give my wife the credit for giving me the courage to make that jump. Um, We had just got married and I told her my dreams and about, Two months in, she looked at me. I came home one day. I looked, de- I looked defeated. She's like, What's wrong? And I tell her about what's going on. And she's like, whatever happened to your dreams you had of, of wanting to have your own business and have your own office and have, you know, your own team and build things the way you want to build them. And something just clicked in that moment. And um, I said, you know what? Let's let's make that happen. At the time, it was one of those areas I, I was working again. You had to be at the bank at a certain time, you couldn't leave. I couldn't have my client relationships the way I wanted to. It was almost like everything was in a system. I had 30 minutes to meet with the client and then I had to leave them. I couldn't go to their house. I couldn't ask about their family. I couldn't build that relationship with, that I wanted to build with my clients. Um, and there was always so many limitations on how, I, on how I could do business. And I said, you know, there's, I know there's a better way and I just I need to get to that point. And so I was just defeated. I feel like I was, I was just living at that point. Go to work, you do your job, come home. Go to work, do your job, come home. I wasn't living. And she, and she, and she called me out on that. And so um, I got with a small, not small, they're RIA out of, uh, in in Los Angeles. And so, and I met the guy and I had interviewed probably about seven or eight different people. And I was already set, my mind was set on one of this other firm. So I'm going here, but he, you know, I got a call from the recruiter. He said, Hey, you got to check this guy out. I said, okay, I'm gonna meet him at seven o'clock in the morning because I've already met with enough. I've already taken off enough time. And so I met with this guy and um, it, it changed, it, it changed my, my course of action at that point. Just a very genuine, honest guy. Um, very genuine, honest man. Didn't promise me the world. Um, you know, it was real with everything too. Like, hey, this is gonna be a journey. And, you know, and he's a, he's a person of color as well. Um, and he took such a personal interest in my life. Um, you talk about being led in the right places. Um, this guy he took a, he took an interest in even getting me on boarded uh you know i i will acknowledge i had some challenges financial challenges and credit challenges he made sure I, I got i got through made sure that wasn't an issue made sure he pushed every way he could to make sure that i was on boarded with um it's a raa through royal alliance he made sure I, I i got on and um you know you talk about every step of the way feeling supported he he has when you talk about having that, when someone has that interest in your life, um, no matter what's going on, um, he, he has supported me all, all along the way. Um, he helped me even in transitioning to make the right decision on how to approach my relationships that I had had at, at a previous firm and make sure we don't do too much or make sure we stay in, you know, stay in the in the right in the right boat or you know, stay, you know, we we're conservative about it. He's like, hey, and, and don't worry, whatever you don't take, we'll you'll make up for it. I believe in you. Uh, again, gave me a lot of encouragement, a lot of faith in just how to move forward. Um, my wife and I, we just got married. So she was, you know, in, in my, you know, kind of pushing me from, from behind as well. So, again, that support just, just allowed me to be able to take that leap of faith. And it was tough. I mean, there were, you know, you go five, six months making something and then you have that one month where there's no paycheck, nothing's coming in. And uh, that was the eye-opening, that was an eye-opening time. And you're sitting there looking at it, and me and her, and my wife were talking about it and saying, okay, this is this is what we knew could happen. And uh, and with I think just how we are, we had still moved forward. I had already made my made my plans at that point to even go up for my CFP. And so I still continue to enroll in my classes, I still continued to push forward, um, and you know, still try to build my business. And it was just a leap of faith that that we took, and and you know, we have a, a faith in in in. God. And I feel like He's guided me throughout my throughout that career, throughout this transition, put me around the right people um, who have just taken this interest in me that I've needed, mentored me at, the, at certain particular places. Like at this point, the guy who initially got me in the business, I me and him were cool, we were cool, but he was no longer my mentor at that point. i had taken a different path than he was than he was on. But um coming on independent with Royal Alliance and this in this RA out of LA. This guy took me under his wing. He made sure that I was taken care of. Even in times I, pay- I was in his office, I was paying him rent. He said, hey, don't worry about it. You owe- you'll just- We'll just say you owe me. And, you know, but keep pushing. Don't get out the business. Just keep going. Um, I continued on getting my CFP. I remember the first day of my CFP class, I was at UCLA. The-, the teacher said, hey, don't do a job change. Don't do a life change. Don't get married. Don't have any kids. Don't do anything in the next year. Um, fast forward to a year. My wife and I had to move out of our apartment the week before my test. We were, our first born son was due a month after my test and we were pushing away. And I tell you, I took that test and I was not sure how it was going to work out. Uh, We had my son two weeks after having my son, I get an email saying I passed my CFP test. And I tell you, that was a moment of joy, a moment of just, (laughs) I was just exuberant joy um, just to achieve that as a, black professional in this industry where i already know there's not a lot of black cfps and we're so underrepresented in that so it, it really meant a lot to me to be able to to achieve to achieve that to be at that place to be able to say i can get this mark um, as as a young black professional and and that's to me that was again just something i really wanted to achieve it doesn't cfp being a cfp doesn't mean you make more money um, a lot of my clients say great that sounds good what is it so, you know, it, it, at that time, there wasn't a lot of it wasn't a lot of understanding what a CFP, what a CFP is, but it was something for me personally, I wanted to have. I knew the numbers. I knew how things did not look well within the industry, within within, I think, African-Americans. And so that was a prou- such a proud moment for me and even my family. And, you know, just to, to do what I felt they said, you know, couldn't be done or at that point with all the challenges that were going to be there, it was just such a such an accomplishment.
0: Well, first of all, congratulations on that, man, because uh, I always throw this number out. I think it's 9% total minorities and women included. It's not a lot. So you divide no. up amongst black folks, it's even smaller obviously. I it's I'll like never forget one8 percent black. Yeah. I never forget going to a symposium at a major wirehouse firm that I will not name um with 17,000 associates and uh you know, 150, 160, 170 people showed up to be the representation for Um, for African-Americans, for the entire firm, it was flabbergasting. Let me ask you this question, Brandon. So you, Ed and I always talk about how we knew nothing about this business until we were in the business, literally. We had no plan to be in the financial services industry. I think Greer was in the same boat, but it just kind of happened, like fell into the play. I know Greer's story. She interviewed for a bunch of nonsense jobs and finally someone said, hey, do this. You make a little bit more money. I was kind of in the same boat. Now that you have come along this path, this is part of your journey. And you're here today talking with us, now a seasoned advisor, literally in in you know, two major channels, the banking channel and now the independent channel. What's the best approach to reach back to these kids that are coming out of school now? What's the best approach to maybe reach even further back for the kids maybe coming out of high school uh, to talk with them about what this industry can offer? Um and, to, and what message would you send to them about the future of how we are looked upon in this industry? And we as in these brown skinned and female people?
3: I, I think that's a great question. And I think one of the things that I have been doing myself is is educating people on this career field. Um I, I've done several financial literacy programs for you know for high schoolers. Um and it's just one of those areas where people, I don't think people even, and I could be wrong, but I don't think a lot of people know this industry exists. They don't know the opportunities in this You're industry. Not hmm? You're not wrong. They don't know. Yeah. And so I, that's one of the areas, just letting people know there's opportunity in this industry. There's, theres you know, again, you go, everyone talks about being a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a professor, uh, an accountant. But this industry itself has just doesn't have the notoriety of those professions, but has the income potential to be to, to to be along those lines, has the lifestyle that that can be that can be provided. But unfortunately, doesn't have just the notoriety that those other professions have or the respect level those professions have. And I think it, it, a lot of it, that's I think the, part of that's an industry issue itself. Um, but I think more specifically, when it comes to people of color. And minorities i just don't think they're even aware of the opportunity that can be um within this field i think people uh i just think overall there hasn't again a lot of us don't come from talking about investments Talk, you know how many I, I don't, and i don't know a lot of my friends black friends don't say hey when i was a kid my, my financial planner told my parents about putting money away from my college fund or when i was a kid you know we talked about investments and savings strategies of the long run i don't know a lot of i'll say out of my circle of friends my black friends i don't know if any of them were are talking about that um they may have talked about just a savings account or credit but that's about the extent of it so i think a lot of it just comes down to i just don't think the the people of color don't necessarily know about this industry they don't necessarily know about the importance of it they may even know about stocks but they don't know there's actually a person who can help you who can guide you on how to manage your retirement or how to get to retirement um i just think there's a lack of awareness uh, in our communities regarding uh, this industry so what i've done i have again i partner with um local organizations in in town so again the sororities and some fraternities and and uh we're also part of like the jack and jail group as well so i partner with you know these organizations to where we can help you know uh give some knowledge to the younger communities um give some knowledge to the high schoolers give some knowledge just you know to the community in general i even think and, and sadly enough i think even adults aren't aware of this of this industry um again it's it one of those areas where again everyone talks about everything else especially when it comes to respect level and unfortunately this industry is not one of those that's mentioned um, in in those conversations well, I say it
0: all the time. We just got here. We are literally first generation wealth yeah. after, you know, literally centuries of not having anything at all. I and mean, we're just now arriving. Um, and, and a lot of that, that newness, I think, is partially born out of sort of this, this lack of trust. I know we've had this conversation before, Ed, where sometimes Black advisors are in a quandary because, they're fighting so hard to earn the trust of folks that don't look like them, while at the same time fighting to earn the trust of folks that do look like them, because yeah. there's a sort of a baked-in cultural mistrust that permeates um, amongst, you know, the African American community, and uh, it's a shame. I wish we could do a little bit more to dispel some of the nonsense and the myths that are around that. And uh, and Brandon, you mentioned, you know, God drives a lot of what you're doing in life. A lot of that's misconceptions around Bible um, and scripture and how we view and treat money uh, relative to, to God. So there's a natural inclination to move away from it. I I remember being taught in church that sort of rich was bad and we were made to suffer. Don't, don't be rich. Well, if you're told, don't be rich, then okay. That's easy. It's easy not to be rich.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's something new that I'm learning
0: it is it's easy
3: now if you want to, if you if you want to be poor just don't do anything you'll be broke yeah. Yeah. You, you you hit that you hit that right on the head I mean again we have we always think we have to suffer That's just the route that we feel like we have to take and and uh, i I, I believe that for a long time and beyonce was you up until up until recently um just realizing I, I don't have to suffer that's I'm not made to suffer. Um, I feel like I've been made to be resilient and, pers- and persevere, but you know some choices of suffering were were, were my own. If I'm being honest, sure. Um, so it's just again, it's just one of the areas where I, we 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 are so unfamiliar with money. I love we are first generational first generational wealth. I guess you call it, um, and and I agree with that. Um, and so now it's one of those areas where we want again just just partnering with people. And, and oh, I'm sorry. Let me step back. You had mentioned something about having we're in that quandary of having to get trust of everyone. Um, and I spent a lot of my career being a chameleon, and it was to the point where I want to say it was three years ago, uh COVID hit, social justice issues hit, <laughs> and you start, I start looking around and I and I and I found success. And I'm like, okay, I've done all these things now, I found some success in my career. And then i'm looking around like who am i i have i have worked off to please this person and be like that person walk like this person and talk like that person and you get to a point where i'm like i don't even know who i am what do it's i awesome. enjoy doing
1: you were the blue suit you were the blue suit white shirt wearing um gentleman and brooks that, brothers probably
2: yeah, exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> First time we've heard the word chameleon
1: on this podcast. Not at
0: all. We use the word assimilation a whole lot on this podca- yep. podcast because it always comes up, yep. you know, and, yeah. and you just named it, man. It's, it can be really tiring when you, when you finally take a step back and you go, well, on Tuesday, I was this, with this group on Thursday, I was out golfing with that group. And on you know Sunday, I'm with this group. And all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, what personality am I? How true am I really being to my authentic
1: self? Yeah. And it's exhausting.
0: It's, it, let's let's just call it like it. It's mentally
1: exhausting.
3: It is. Yeah.
2: I yeah, experienced cool. some of that as well. Just, I always, you know, I like, I like sports and I like doing some things that are traditionally like male uh, interests. And so I always had all these men around me in the industry that were like, Oh, cool. girls like a cool girl, you know, like she's, she'll go to the bar nice and, here and watch sports with us. But, and I was like, Sometimes that felt good. But at the same time, I was like, is this really getting me anywhere? And is it really being very true to myself? And I struggled with that a lot. I thought, oh, these people respect me. But honestly, I don't really think that's what it was. I think they just, you know, they just saw somebody that could be a little bit of fun sometimes, but they didn't have any more respect for me because of it. They just, I don't know. It's its something I struggle with daily.
0: Yeah. Part of the problem with assimilating or, or lack of assimilation is that when you don't assimilate enough, then you're not accepted by the, yeah. by the general majority. And so we, what we've been trained to do, whether it's, we, it, we had a guest on in one case, we were literally trained in college to do this at an HBCU, literally trained to do this, but more it's, it's sort of intuition for us to, to understand, okay, we know we're physically different, but How can we overcome that with our ability to mimic behavior, mimic circumstance? And that's what we end up doing. It's a psychological trick that we all play on ourselves because at the end of the day, there isn't such thing as being too ethnic. They've changed the word now. Today, it's called too woke, but it's too ethnic is what too woke means.
3: Well, I mean, Career, I think, and, and we all experience this. I mean, you, you go to a conference, and you know, I I'll say you're, you're probably one of, the, one of the only females there. I, I'll go there. I'm one only. You're you're the I'm I'm the minority, minority there. I can go to I can go to be around 100 people, and maybe there's one other person there. But then there's this code. Well, if we get too close. you, you can't really hang together. out. We can't do that.
1: But you give yeah. that look. I see yeah. you. Get I see, I see you. you. you see and me, I see but you me.
3: We can't talk too much together because they're gonna group us together. Did
2: you that's ever insane. get the the uh, yeah. question at a conference? Conference? Did you ever get the question? Who do you work for?
3: Oh, you get that question of how are you qualified to be here? That,
2: that's what they're asking yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> You don't, you, don't ask, you don't ask a white man in a suit, who do you work for? But I, you know, like you ask the woman in the room, who do you work for? Oh, you must be. And yeah, sure. I was support staff, but that doesn't mean that you have to immediately assume that, you know, like yeah. it's. Uh, yeah, yeah.
3: I, I bought I bought a business. So the office I'm in now, I actually I, I bought I bought their practice Two guys. I bought their practice and um, they had an older assistant. And one of the guys is here, and we were I was, I was changing the flooring in the office. The, the guy comes in, construction work comes in, and immediately surpasses me. Goes to the older white guy. Hey, you know, what are you looking for? What do you want to what do you want to do? Goes to the older assistant and like, Hey, you know, okay, well, he's not in charge. You must be in charge. What are you looking to do? And and everyone kept pointing down the line to me. Yeah. And finally he gets to me. And I'm thinking myself, I'm like, so you you came in assuming that there was no way in the world that I could be the person in charge here who's making this decision. Yep. Yeah.
2: And very these are things well, we right. just
3: ha- that you become almost accustomed to. Yeah. And almost just like that's just what it is. And so now I feel like I've taken all that, and I and I and and I I, I, I have I operate I have a chip on my shoulder. And yep. the chip on my shoulder is that I want things. I want to level the playing field. I want to do all I can to level the playing field. I believe everyone deserves these opportunities in the financial services industry. I believe we all deserve the opportunity. I don't believe anyone should be looked upon and then immediately disqualified from this position. I have been fortunate enough to become a, a successful for me. And then it opened my eyes and when, I, when I found success, I, I opened my eyes and I said, how long have I been this chameleon and been accepting of how people treat me? And it's a lot of my career. And it finally got to the point I just said, no, I'm going to be who I am. If clients don't like it, so be it. If if a partner or a uh, the RA doesn't like it, so be it. But I'm going to be me, and I'm going to walk in. I'm going to walk in what I'm called to walk in. I'm, I'm going to be the fullness of who of who I am. And I I, I have felt very liberated from that. Um, brother, I hear
1: you throwing a few scriptures in there. Um, preach,
3: man. Preach. Yeah, I, I, so I'm about to take a
1: give you an offering. So uh, <laughs> that was next. <messed. laughs> so, what you know? Because you know, we want to be respectful of everybody's time. Um, what would you say to that fresh, young faced Brandon today? Brandon's thinking about getting to the industry, or Brandon's in the industry right, already. What advice would you give to yourself on the early
3: version? The early version I would give to myself is be true to yourself, be authentic, be unapologetic. That doesn't mean be anything less than professional, be anything less than good at what you do. It just means be true to yourself. You don't need to bend so much to please everyone else or be the, the yes man in those situations. You being you will get you to where you need to be. You don't need to be who who everyone else needs you to be to to be successful. And that's that's what I would tell the young Brandon. Just just know who you are and and, and walk in that. That that, I, that I know it sounds simple, but that that's what I would say.
1: No, I love it. I love that's it. A recurring
2: theme.
1: It's it's definitely been a recurring thing. That's why I'm sitting bad. sitting here smiling. We've had that
2: answer from multiple people on this podcast, and it's. The best advice I think that you could possibly give is to let people know a little bit earlier on in their careers that it is okay to be different because you will be noticed for that.
3: Yeah. Love, love yeah, ab- absolutely. Last thing I'll say too is having having things outside of this industry that you that that you're passionate about. You know, it's mm-hmm. it is about balance. It's about, it's about you know, it's it's about balance, it's about what you know, what do you want to accomplish? What are you working for? It's not just money. Money, I think, is the easiest thing. But what are you working for when you get the money? What do you want to do with it? Where, where are your passions like? You know, is it family? Is it is it, you know, charity? Whatever it is, just have a passion for it and, and, and keep that in mind. It's just not to just be so focused on getting money because getting money is, you know, once you get it, that's the easiest part. It's all about what you're going to do with it, what what that means to you and how you allocate it. That that's where your that's where your treasure lies.
0: Brandon, that's well said. The three of us can all vouch for that. The three of us are on this podcast because we lived that old life of running ourselves into the ground and then found that a balanced life is a much better thing. That's why we're able to
1: do this podcast. Do this no, the three of us, we couldn't do this 10 years ago. No and that's why I got this. And that's why I have this full beard now. <laughs>
3: That's why I wear suits with vests and that jacket.
2: You can't tell, but I'm wearing sweatpants under this. So I just dressed <laughs> <grab them laughs> from the waist down.
0: That's balance. Um,
2: Love it. it the slippers on.
1: <laughs> there you go. That's the way you do it. So, Greer, do you have any parting words that you'd like to share before we uh, get ready to wrap up?
2: I just want to thank you for telling your story and for trying to mentor others who might be going through similar things and for sticking it out because I really do think that you're going to make a difference in this entire industry and that if we all continue to encourage others to do the same, then maybe 10 years, 20 years down the line, we will start to see the narrative shift a little bit and um, and we'll all be better for it.
1: Absolutely. Mr. Garland Scott. Brandon, let me just say, man, I applaud uh, what you've done.
0: Uh, I know people that have had very similar paths that you have, and there are several spots along the way that they checked out. They couldn't do it. Um, Life caught up. The business caught up. I know what it's like to be scared, to be scared financially, to make a whole new career shift. And, And the only thing you have is your faith in your family, right? And you, you did that, sir. 18 years later, here you are, successful. I love the words behind you. Uh, excellence, accountability, collaboration, service, uh, attitude. I can see trust. Um, I think it's what? Motivation or innovation behind you? There oh, wrong way. There we go. There you go. Innovation. Yeah. And then your shirt. Does that say resilience?
3: Yeah, resilient wealth management. That's my firm.
0: That's, that's a perfect name for the firm, brother. So you... You've been resilient in your endeavors. You've kept your faith. You've found who you are. You are your true authentic self. Thank you so much for giving back to the community that you live in. Please keep doing that. We need a whole new, bigger generation of folks coming up behind us. Um, Hopefully, we can all be mentors to those folks too. Yeah.
1: And my brother, I will just simply say, you weren't weary in well-doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the work that you've done. Um, Thank you. Thank you for not giving giving up. Thank you for not quitting. Because it could have been easy just to quit and go do something else. But you stayed in the business. You stayed there. You fought. You are a business owner in the financial services industry. Huge accomplishment. And do me one favor. When you talk to those people that were part of your support system, you tell them that I said thank you. Because they didn't let you give up. So this has been another journey the Financial Advisor Experience Podcast, sharing the story and the journey of Mr. Brandon Dixon James. Thank you for tuning in. God bless. Everyone have a great day. Thank you, guys.